Mom Training Podcast with Diana Ballard. Hey mama, 2022 is your year to gain extra support. Come join us in mom training and learn together with us as we're working on being better moms, enjoying life more, and seeing the beauty around us. Head over to dianaballard.com and sign up for mom training today. Hey ladies, welcome to the Mom Training Podcast. We are so lucky today. We have Laura Atak with us today. She is a positive parenting coach. We actually met on Instagram. She is from France and she is such an amazing woman to connect with. I am really excited to introduce her to you. So when we're done with this podcast, you'll definitely want to check her out, check out her uh, content that she has. Her newsletter seriously is amazing. I, I love reading it myself. She does workshops. She's she's a wonderful lady. So we are going to bring in Laura. Laura, hey, how's it going? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. Hi, Diana. Um, so yeah, I am a mom of three. And as you can hear from my accent, I am British originally. I've been living in uh, Paris, France for about 20 plus years. That will give you a bit my age because I came here as an adult. <laughs> And um, I'm a mum of three kids. They're growing. They're 7, 11, and 13 now. And I will just throw this in right here that Laura pulled her kids out of school for an entire year and they traveled around the UK in a European size mobile home. Let's just say that. We we just <laughs> literally did the math and looked up how big it was and it's 118 square feet. And yeah. it so which is very small but that is absolutely amazing that you traveled with all five of you in that and we are definitely yeah. going to bring laura back and talk to her about that um i i gotta say one more thing about your accent when i first traveled over to europe i mm -hmm. went to ireland was my first place that i went to and i said hey like you know i'm from the states and they said i know i can tell by your accent and i was like i have an accent <laughs> <laughs> well so if it makes you laugh, then when I go back to the UK, I now get accused. I get set. They say, oh, so are you American? What's with the American accent? That's so, so funny. I apparently lost some of my British accent. No, it's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, let's jump into this right now. We hear the term positive parenting, but what exactly does that mean? I think that's, that's a great question. And I think it means a different thing to each person, doesn't it? And uh, for me, uh, being a positive parent isn't about letting my kids do whatever they want. Um, I first discovered positive discipline, which is an approach led by an American, uh, two, two American women called Jane Nelson and Lynn Lott. And I discovered that when my kids were little. And that style, positive discipline style, is all about both giving kids a framework and then working within that to develop their autonomy and use encouragement as a way of kind of bringing about change in our families. So that's oh, it for I love me. That. No, that's great. You know, and that really is like a completely different mindset because, you know, when you want to discipline without any training, a lot of times you go to, hey, stop that right now, right? But so can you give me an example of what like an encourage encouragement discipline would be like? Okay, so um, this week we are doing uh, school at, at home again. And so when we are sitting down and trying to do schoolwork, then 
uh, I'm not going to sit down and just say, right, here's your timetable. We are doing maths now. Let's get on with it. And if my child kind of responds, no way am I doing maths and kind of storms off, I can come. You're doing maths because you have to. But actually, we're looking at designing our timetable together. So the teachers have set the work, but we get the flexibility there to be able to design the timetable. And so she might get to choose, oh, you know, am I going to do language first or am I going to do math first? And how am I going to do my math? You know, am I going to do it sitting at the table or standing up? All those different ways. So giving choices within the framework that we as the adults have decided, because we're responsible as parents for our kids' safety and security. And then within that boundary of safety and security, then we build connection and we build our kids' autonomy. Because for me, the goal is really to develop um, my, ch my children's autonomy. Because, you know, when they get to late teenage uh, years, then they're going to be leaving home. And so I want children who can think for themselves and be responsible and respectful members of society. I love that. So pretty much what I'm hearing is that you're teaching them their self-respect by choices early on in life. Yeah, and, and not doing things for them that they can do for themselves. So positive discipline is based on the work of a psychologist called Alfred Adler. Uh, he goes all the way back to about 1870. Um, but he talks about never doing something for a child that they can do for themselves. And so if we're looking at that kind of from our toddlers, then we know as parents how much easier it is when they're trying to put their coat on to, to kind of go, oh, let me just help you here. You know, we need to get out of the door. So let me put your coat on. But actually, by allowing them to do it themselves, then we are helping them develop the belief that they are capable. And wow, you know, if we all went round believing how capable we were of all sorts of different skills, wouldn't the world be a different place? So you're saying that, what's your belief, I guess, on like them doing stuff like that and encouraging them like, wow, you did a great job. Cause there's differing, there, there's differing sides of, oh, you don't want to, you know, reward them for everything that they do. But at the same time, yeah, like, can we support them in feeling that they're capable? What's your belief on that? that that's a really good question. Because for me, there's a difference between praise and encouragement. So if I say to you, oh, Diana, you know, you did a great picture today. Mummy is so proud of you for the picture that you did. Oh, did you do that for me? Oh, wow, how wonderful. Oh, isn't that great? And thank you for tidying your room. That makes me feel so good when you tidy your room. Now there's praise, but actually it's about me. And if I say to you instead, oh, Diana, look at that picture. You used red and blue and yellow, and I bet you put a lot of effort. Which color did you do first? That makes us feel a bit different, doesn't it? And there we're using encouragement because we're trying to develop the belief from the child. It's called intrinsic motivation. So I want my child to do the right thing when no one is looking. And I I'm looking to develop that in my kids as they are little, because when they become teens, they're going to kind of transfer that belief in someone else being fantastic 
from parents to their peers. And so if I've taught my child just to blindly obey me because I say so, because I'm the adult, then they're going to transfer that blind loyalty to their peers and just do what their peers think they should do. Instead, I want to develop my child's critical thinking skills. So kind of the, the difference that I saw there was one, when you focused on like the colors that she used, it kind of brought it back and like, oh, this is something great that I have accomplished. And then the other one of, wow, you did this all for mommy, like that, you know, is people pleasing, <laughs> you know, yeah. wanting to be able to hear, oh, I did a good job and the person that I love accepts me. So I'm going to keep doing that. And you're right. That is a very different bringing it inward or outward, you know, and mm -hmm. inward is what I'm, what I'm hearing is you want to bring it more inward so that they actually take that in and it turns into confidence, like healthy confidence, then you know, confidence that comes from the acceptance of others. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to say that I get it right 100% of the time either. There are times when I, I get it wrong. We try not to use sticker charts and rewards and punishment, um, but I mess up. You know, I, I'm a normal human being as well. And the thing is, for me, I'm, I'm working towards the belief that mistakes are opportunities to learn. And that's not really something I, I lived when I was a child. It was definitely about, you know, the, this is what you need to do in school. This is the beliefs that I built up to myself. You know, if I get good grades, then I can do this and I can do that. And ultimately, why am I trying to get good grades? Well, probably because I want to please other people. But I keep telling myself and telling my kids and often hear back for them when I make a mistake. I go, oh, mommy, you made a mistake. And then my youngest will often trot out with mistakes are opportunity to, to learn, mommy. And I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> it shows, you know, and they're modeling it back to me as well. That's awesome. That's just lovely. Yeah. Where did, where did you start learning all this stuff? Like, where did, when did you discover positive parenting and discipline? Yeah. Um, so actually, um, to my great surprise, when my kids were born, I became kind of quite a hippie mum. I expected to be a mum the way I was at work. So really everything organised in inboxes, children on the schedule, that sort of thing. It wasn't to be. I, you know, we did co-sleeping, we um, did baby wearing, all sorts of things. But when my child hit the tantrum phase, then I discovered I had no tools in my toolbox to handle that two-year-old ball of fury and distress rolling around on the floor. Now, in France, you start school quite early. And so just before the age of three, he actually started uh, school. And their school started using positive discipline. It had just come over from the States to France. And uh, I saw this transformation in my kids that made me want to know more. And in fact, it was my middle child, I think he was about three and a half, and he turned around and one evening he'd obviously had a disagreement with his brother and uh, instead of saying, oh, you know, mummy, tell him off, he comes and he's like, mummy, I've got some solutions. And when your three and a half year old is trying to teach you how to be a parent, then it's time to listen. And so I went along to some workshops at school and um, came away with really simple things. But instead of saying to your kid, do you want to brush your teeth tonight? Which the answer is 
no, obviously, or go brush your teeth, which invites the no way as well, then offering them, do you want to brush your teeth with the red toothbrush or the blue toothbrush tonight? Or should we hop or skip to the bathroom? So we're giving choices, but they are limited choices because the choices that we offer, we've got to be okay with either outcome. So I'm not going to say, do you want to brush your teeth tonight or not? I'm going to say, how are we brushing your teeth tonight? Who's doing it? Is it me or is it you? Does that make sense? Oh, I love that. Okay. That's really cool. And your kids, your, your oldest is 13 now. So you've been doing this quite a while. Yeah. 10 years. Gosh. That's yeah. amazing. Okay. Yeah. Now I, tell me, tell me about the idea of being kind, but firm. Like, what do you, what is that? What does that look like with the positive parenting? Because, you know, you're giving choices, but say they still don't want to take your choices. Like how, how do you still be firm and like what needs to happen? You're still the parent. You're not trying to be the friend that gives, gives in yeah. to everything. Right. So how, how can we be kind, but firm at the same time? Okay. So kind and firm is all about holding both those things in balance. So quite often we wake up in the mornings and we're like, Oh, we're going to have a great day. That's if we don't have a newborn and we've had enough sleep. So we wake up and we feel like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a great day. But then, you know, things build up throughout the day. And at some point we lose the plot and we're fed up and we yell at our kids. Instead, we're looking to kind of start that day off with our feet firmly planted in both kind and firm at the same time. So a really concrete example might be around bedtimes. So we are Brits my husband and I living in France and we have quite a different bedtime to most of our neighbours and our friends. My kids even at the age of 13 are in bed at say 8.30. Okay my upstairs neighbours kids are probably not in bed for a good you know hour after that. We live in different rhythms but we as parents are choosing those things so that is the kind of the firm bit, it's the framework. What time my child goes to bed, whether or not they do homework, where they go to school, those things are the things that we are choosing. And then the kindness within that framework is all about connection. So for the evening, we might sit down and decide together on a bedtime routine. So my child gets to choose whether we do pajamas or story first, things like that. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't always work out so easily just because um, teeth brushing is on the bedtime routine and we'll have a bedtime routine, a visual bedtime routine chart. And I will say what's next on the routine chart doesn't always work. Okay, Most of the time it does the mixture of visual plus questions. But sometimes I'm just going to have to go back in and say, what was our agreement? You know, um, my eldest needs to unload the dishwasher by eight o'clock, for example. So we make an agreement with the time, but then he's got distracted and he's sitting on the sofa reading a book. And so then I go to him and I'll say, what was our agreement about the dishwasher? I've got to remember that he doesn't have the same priorities as me. His priority is going to be reading that book at that time. And I can just, so then I'll just wait, you know, I'm not going to keep uh, going on and kind of 
berating him and launch into a, you need to do the dishwasher because I said so, but actually by putting a smile on my face and kind of using my hands and my body to point to where the dishwasher is and maybe my watch, then I'm inviting him to move. And that nonverbal communication with a more than a feeling, but a, almost like a knowledge that it's going to be okay and he's going to get up and do it with no words and he'll get up and go. And then there are times when that still doesn't work and then we will come back to our, to our agreement another time. So I'm trying not to fight and get involved in the power struggle. So if something goes wrong and it starts escalating, then my responsibility as a parent is to model how to stay calm, how to stay regulated. And then we have family meetings once a week. So if we've got ongoing problems, then we'll put those on the agenda and talk about it in family meetings and look for different solutions. Because the thing about kids and parenting problems is that our kids know how to push our buttons by doing the same problem, having the same misbehavior time after time. And so that gives us plenty of opportunity to practice and try new things with them and find something that will work for our family. I love that you call them opportunities to learn because my two-year-old right now whoo, is like three children. I mean, he is, he is such a handful that, and it's the same things every day. I know that if I leave the room, he pushes the chair up and he's going for the vitamin C little chewable tablets, or he's going for the thing of raisins or, and like, I mean, I just like, mm -hmm. I know the second that I leave, like these things are going to happen. And even if I try to prevent them, right. And so I, I appreciate you saying that it's opportunities for us to practice because I, it kind of like grounds me back because I have not been the best with being patient with that because it's literally every time, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, so what, what would you say to somebody that is having a situation like that, that saying, you know, we, every single day that don't put your fingers in the baby's mouth, you know, stay out of the toilet. Like, how do you, you know, like different things like that. And I know that he's little, but like, what would you tell someone that is maybe struggling with things like that, where it's gotten pretty frustrating because it li literally is happening the same way every single day you know, putting their hands in their pants and getting things all over. Like, what would you tell that person towards like positive parenting? Because I know I am not the only one that's, that's struggling <laughs> with a child that literally just does not obey yeah. or listen because they're little or they are choosing not to, yeah. whatever. So what would you say to this person like that? So I think I'd start by looking at the, the child's age. So understanding what's developmentally appropriate. What do we know about the brain and the brain development? Um, and so with really little kids, so under two, then our three main tools are gonna be distract, uh, redirect and supervise because they don't have that impulse control. So we, we are ultimately, that, that's what we're doing. We are supervising them. Um, we are distracting them away from danger and we're going to redirect them when they do something wrong. And just because we tell them uh, this is what's allowed, for example, we throw balls in the yard, uh, doesn't mean that the next time they are automatically, when holding a ball inside the house, going to go, oh yes, mummy said, we only throw balls in the yard. 
So again, it's like, it's a long-term thing. So that's one point. The second point is about uh, staying uh, positive in what we say. And again, that's brain development because we, as adults, we form pictures of, well, we all form pictures of words in our heads, but children, young children can't do abstract. So when we say to them, it's just like if I said to you, don't think of a pink elephant. You have to think of the pink elephant and then try and not think about it. So when we kept tell our kids, don't put your fingers in the socket or don't run, then what they see in their brain is run. So instead of saying something uh, in the negative, then whenever we can, we turn it into a positive instruction because then we're telling our children what we want them to do. And it's much simpler that way. So instead of saying don't run, we say walk. We walk in the house. I love that. That's little kids. Okay. Okay, what, what about like a five and six-year-old? So then with a five and a six-year-old, I think from kind of age four and above, we can start using family meetings and those are a space where we can talk about, right, well, if we, we, we start our family meetings with encouragement, um, which, which is a way of saying, hey, you know, take, take two siblings. You know, if you first of all start your family meeting by saying, you know, thanks for playing Legos with me this week, and then you're going to afterwards talk about, you know, it really drove me crazy when you drew all over my picture. Actually, your sibling is going to hear that in a different way because first of all you've told him some of the great things about him that's great i i love the idea of the family meeting because again you know just as you were talking about like gaining confidence internally for them making them feel like they're a part of i don't know when I feel like when we're included in meetings and stuff like that it makes you feel important like okay what i have to say matters or yeah. you know I just feel like that really does take it to a next level of respecting your kids too yeah. and teaching them how to have constructive communication, how to work as a team. I mean, there's so many positive things that come with a family meeting. I love that. And they're all skills that we're going to need in the workplace as well. So we're modeling to them how to live in society and how to negotiate. I mean, siblings are is a great opportunity to learn all sorts of of skills you know I think one of the best skills I learned from my older brother which would drive me crazy when I was a little child but I now appreciate is actually his ability when the rest of us are having a blazing row to walk into the room and talk about something totally different and so he's a peacemaker you know and yes it would drive me crazy but now I was like gosh actually that's a skill I can use you know when everything is going badly wrong then Let's talk about something different or walk away, take a breath, and then come back to it afterwards. That's awesome. Okay, so for someone who is just getting introduced to positive parenting, mm -hmm. how how would you start them out? Like what what would be the first couple things that you would say to them and how they would implement start implementing it into their family? Okay. I think it would it would really depend on the age, um, but taking some of those things about limited choices. So first of all, maybe don't drop anything that you are currently doing until you've got 
the next tool. It's a bit like, you know, um, gra grabbing those ropes. You don't let go of one rope that is holding you up until you've got your next one. So don't stop what you're currently doing until you've got a new tool to hold on to. And for me, that was the great thing when I first discovered positive discipline was like, oh, gosh, actually, there's a whole range of tools that I can take and I can pick and choose. So finding a tool that I like and putting that in place. And for me, it was that toothbrush. I went to this conference and there were about nine or 10 different tools presented in two hours. And I came back with red toothbrush or blue toothbrush. Need to go out and buy another toothbrush for my child. And it worked. And so then because it worked, then I went on and I was like, right, you know, and it probably took me like a year or so before I was ready to then go on and do some workshops. So I found some workshops in my area and uh, just kind of went on from there. So that's start small, start with one thing. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, when you are learning a bunch of things and even like with this podcast here, it is about taking the thing that you can start applying today. Mm -hmm. And, and putting it towards, you know, the, our next step in learning, which I think is why it's so important that we continually keep learning, especially yeah. as parents and as moms and as housewives and, you know, taking care of a family and ourselves and things. It's really important to have continued education. It really is, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a workshop, whether it be different things, because there there's always going to be something that stands out to us every time we learn that is yeah. going to you know, help us through our, our next stage of life. Yeah. And, and then taking care of ourselves as well, what you said about, you know, mums and all those different hats that we hold. I think if I had one thing that I try and transmit to parents, it's that actually we need to take care of ourselves first. And because by doing that, we're going to be more available to, for our children because we've first taken care of ourselves, but also because then we're modeling a good way of being, you know, that we are taking care of ourselves. We sit down in the mornings and we have a cup of tea and we, before we start the day. And when things are getting a bit much, we can say to our kids, you know, I'm just about to lose the plot. So I'm going to walk away for a few minutes and then I'll be back again. So taking those opportunities, putting in those opportunities to do self-care, to practice it and to show it to our kids. Well, and it gives us more capacity to pause and to be kind and to, you know, decide what our words are going to be <laughs> instead of, you know, just having it happen in the moment. Yeah. And um, uh, it makes me think of uh, Dan Siegel, who's a, a child neuropsychologist, I think, but he does this model of um, the hand model of the brain, he calls it, and he explains to us exactly what's going on in our brain when we're feeling a big emotion and actually our prefrontal cortex, so the bit of our brain that does the rational thinking, physically disconnects. And so we cannot think. So that is not the time, you know, when our child has just painted the walls blue or something, you know, or there's nail polish spilt all over the bathroom. At that point, we flipped our lid. And so we need to walk away, take a deep breath, close our brains down again. And then when we're feeling better, then we can encourage our children and encourage ourselves to like, well, how are we going to fix this? What's the solution? Because then we can think again. Yeah, with with my two year old, sometimes they'll just need a minute. 
And so instead of something that I've been trying recently is, you know, I could say, go in your room and have him close his door, right? But if I say, hey, let's have you go read some books in your room, you know, and you know, and I, I set him in there and he might be a little bit upset about it, but I'm here, which books would you like to read? And I give him three or four and sit him on the couch and we close the door and it has one of those handles that he can't open it. So he stays in there for a minute. And that has been so helpful for me and him to be able mm-hmm. to like, and so he's not going in there in trouble or crying, but it's like a positive moment. That's, that's, something that I've definitely been trying. So like you're saying of like stepping away, it, it really yeah. does work to, to distance ourselves for just a minute, be able to clear our minds and be able to, you know, <laughs> try yeah. again in a minute. Yeah. And talking about it as, as being about feeling better. And Jane Nelson talks about it as being a feeling better space. So we have one underneath the stairs in our house at the moment. And and it's got for my youngest, you know, she's got all sorts of things in there, but that make her feel better. You know, a, a cuddly toy, a blanket, a cushion, uh, some paper to draw pictures of. So that, and then when she's feeling better, and when I'm feeling better too, then we can talk about this went wrong. What are we going to do? So, you know, how are you going to fix it? You spilt the juice, you're going to clean it up. Or, you know, I shouted at you, I'm sorry, you shouted at me. How can we speak to each other in a respectful way? Yeah. And awesome. and it's not easy. Yeah. It's easy to talk about it in the evening when everyone's in bed. Um, it's not always easy in the moment, but the more we practice, the better we'll get at that skill. Well, and I think it's good to remember that nobody's perfect. And we're not always going to get everything exactly how we want to each time. And that's okay. We really are. We're learning. We're growing. We're doing the best that we can. And as we do practice positive things that are good habits and work, like we're going to get better and better and everyone's going to be happier and and get along easier. And it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, tell me where... The, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Okay, so the best place to find me is on my website. So that's encouragingparents.com. And I've got a weekly newsletter and I really love writing my newsletter. Um, I think it's the place where people see the truest me. Um, so the great bits and the not so great bits. And we look for, I give podcasts and books that I've been reading, uh, tips on things that are happening in our lives and and just different things to handle and if i'm running a workshop then that'll be in my newsletter first as well it really is an amazing newsletter i really like i'm like very like wow it's very professional it looks great i mean (laughs) yeah i love reading it as well so tell them and so they can also find you on instagram and facebook right so your instagram handle is encouraging parents uh, it is laura.encouragingparents. And then on Facebook, my professional page is also Laura Encouraging Parent. And I run a Facebook community, and that is called Gentle Parenting in Paris. And I promise not everyone who is in that group lives in Paris. We have people there from all over the world these days. So that's amazing. That's the other place to find me. Yeah, so we'll put all of that in our show notes, ladies. So if you want to go and check, 
Laura out, you definitely want to sign up for her newsletter, add her on social media, get in her um, gen gentle parenting community and stay connected with her. She's, she's amazing. So thank you so much, Laura, for your wisdom and for sharing some tips with us today about positive parenting. And ladies, I invite you to take something from this podcast today and apply it to your life. Try it out. You know, like she said about, you know, don't drop what you're, it's currently working for you, but start implementing and trying different things. So again, Laura, thank you so much. And uh, we you. hope to be talking to you again sometime. And ladies, we'll see you next Tuesday on the Mom Training Podcast.